Hey everyone, Brandon Graham here with the Real Estate Lounge podcast. Today I have a special guest, Mr. Chance Wepler. He's a real estate agent with HomeSmart. And today we're going to talk about first-time homebuyers. Uh, we get a lot of questions being in the real estate world revolving around first-time homebuyers, what the requirements are. And we really want to just kind of see the perspective from the real estate agent side of things. So go ahead, uh, Chance, just introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are, what you do, and then I'll... Let you take it from there. Well, hi everyone. I'm uh, Chance Wepler, as Brandon mentioned. I'm with HomeSmart. Um, people call me Chance the Realtor as well um, because I'm not a rapper. I sell houses, just saying. Um, but I've been in the real estate market for a while. I actually got my real estate license about four years ago. I spent the last couple of years, you know, actually on the loan officer side working in mortgages. And, you know, through that, I gained a lot of experience through having the opportunity to work in a heavy call center environment where, you know, we were able to get done a lot of transactions within a short amount of time. And through that, I was able to see a lot and experience a lot. And, you know, ultimately I feel like that's, you know, better prepared me kind of switching back to what I like to do. And that's, you know, going out and being able to meet clients, show houses and help them find their dream house. So that's a little bit about me and how I, you know, got into this market as a real estate agent. Awesome. Thanks for the background, Chance. And for all you uh, viewers out there listening, one one really big perk, and you got to not look over the oversight, is in the real estate realm, you're typically either a loan officer or the realtor, the one out there showing you the homes, right? Uh, the fact that Chance has the background in both means he really, really understands the process inside and out from the lending aspect of it all the way to writing your purchase contracts. So really, really good resource. And that would be really good for you when you're out there looking for homes. Okay. So today we're, we're just going to have a few questions chance. Uh, what I do is I jump online and do some research, kind of see what, what are a lot of the first time home buyer questions that are coming up. So I'm just going to ask them of you and see your response and kind of how you would have the conversation. If you had a first time home buyer in your office, asking me the same questions. Sound good. Sounds good. Awesome. All right, Chance, the first question I got for you is what are what are the requirements to be a first-time homebuyer? In terms of being a first-time homebuyer, it can be anyone who's actually looking to go out and purchase their very first home, or it can be someone who, you know, hasn't owned a home in the last three years. If you're not on the title to a property and haven't been, you know, in the previous three years, then you are eligible to be a first-time homebuyer and qualify for those benefits. Awesome. Thank you, Chance. As a first-time home buyer, am I allowed to have a co-signer? Co-signer, absolutely. Um, you know, oftentimes first-time home buyers need a co-signer to get their first home, um, or they need help with their down payment, whether it be a gift from, you know, mom or dad, or maybe even grandma or grandpa. It's it's hard to buy a house, um, you know, in this market, and a lot of people do have to rely on family members to to help out. And adding a co-signer is a great way to get yourself into the real estate market purchase your first home and you know that's what's going to help you out in the future to be able to do it on your own. I'm kind of piggyback on that too chance. How how do I know if I need a co-signer? Like what what does adding a co-signer do exactly? Yeah, what adding a co-signer does is essentially it helps you to be able to qualify, you know, for the mortgage that you're looking for. So, you know, if you're not qualifying on your own based on the income you're making or the credit you have or you know, maybe because it's your first time buying a home, you're young and you just don't have a lot of established credit yet. You know, all of those can be reasons why you may want a co-signer, you know, because ultimately what it comes down to when you're seeing 
how much you can be approved for and what you can afford to buy a house with. You know, the lender is going to calculate your income and look at your debts and look at your credit. And based on those things, they're going to be able to approve you for a certain payment at a certain purchase price. And when it comes down to it, if you can add a cosigner and, you know, they're able to help add their income to your application um, by taking on some of that liability, you know, it's a benefit to them um, or it's a benefit to you to be able to qualify for a higher price point that you're looking for. And on the other end, you know, for the co-signer, it's not a bad thing either. They own title of that home. And, you know, on your side, it's kind of up to you and, you know, whoever else is on the title, if it's a family member, whether or not they want to share some of the equity you earn while you're in it. But, um, you know, ultimately, you both have the benefit of essentially having title to that house and being owners of that property. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of people don't look at it that way, too. So it's another perspective that they can think about. So... I really like the answer to that. So thank you, Chance. So from your perspective, Chance, what what would you say first-time homebuyers like need to know, like the, the necessities? Like what would you um, outline for them on what they're looking for? You know, what's important to know about buying your first home is keeping in mind the, the benefits of owning a home. You know, the benefits of owning a home are tax deductions, being able to, you know, eventually decrease your mortgage payments and pay less than what you're paying, you know, wherever you're renting, if you're if you're a renter, and also the the benefits of building equity, um, and being able to use that equity for your future of buying your next house, or, you know, being able to use that equity to take some money out of your house and finance a car or, you know, send your kids to college, whatever it might be. Um, those are three major benefits that, you know, come with owning a home and I think it's important when you're searching for your first home to keep those things in mind because a lot of people aren't so much focusing on that and more so focused on finding their dream home. Um, you know, everybody wants their dream home someday and, you know, eventually you're going to get there. But when it comes down to it, most first time home buyers only live in their first home for three to five years before, you know, likely moving on, whether it be, you know, you're, you're having a kid and you're, you know, your family is increasing in size or the opposite. Um, you know, maybe you have family and your kids are moving out, whatever it might be, you know, circumstances change, you could get a new job and you could be moving out, you know, just two years later. Um, so it's important to keep in mind, you know, not necessarily finding your dream home for your first home, but it's important to keep in mind the benefits of what you're getting out of owning a home and being able to keep in mind that owning that first home is going to help you to be able to get closer to your dream home in the future. Awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. A lot of people, the viewers out there listening, you know, myself for, as an example, you know, I've, I bought multiple homes, never, my first home was my entry home. I used the equity from that to buy my next home. And I'm, I'm still not even to my dream home. People that are fortunate enough for that, it, it's, it's great that they can just get into that. But the whole point behind this is just to build generational wealth. So someday you could potentially leave a home or a a massive wealth to your kids or family whenever the time came. It's kind of a follow-up on that question too. If we're looking, if I'm looking, if I'm a first-time home buyer, I'm looking to get the process started. Where what's the first step? Where should I start? Should I talk to a realtor? Should I talk to a lender? The the first step is getting pre-qualified. Um, it's extremely important to know your price range, know your budget, know what you can afford before you start searching for a home. Um, you know, it's so easy to go on Zillow and get distracted by all the beautiful homes you see in your area, but you know, you don't want to get fall in love with those homes and, uh, you know, not be able to qualify for them. So, you know, first and foremost, it's it's extremely important to know what you're pre-qualified for and speaking with a lender to be able to talk to them about, 
you know, what type of home you want to buy, what type of loan you want to bring, what kind of funds you have for a down payment. You know, if you don't have funds for a down payment, oftentimes they can help you find programs like, you know, a down payment assistance, or they can talk to you about different options of finding gift funds or other ways to raise money for your down payment and, and to help you save. Um, not only that, but, you know, talking to a loan officer, they're also going to be able to tell you what you can do to, you know, move forward with your qualifications. If you aren't where you want to be and you want to qualify for more loan officers, you know, specifically Brandon, Brandon will work harder than anybody else here. Um, you know, I've worked with him for the past few years and I've never seen anybody on the lending side as hardworking as him, but he'll tell you exactly what you need to do in order to better your qualifications, whether it be you know, helping you to increase your credit score, helping you to look at other loan options that, you know, can save you a lot of money over time. And so it's important to find those things out and, and to be able to have someone guide you through that process, rather than trying to figure it all out on your own, kind of looking at your finances, thinking, oh, this is what I can afford. Um, you know, I think the worst thing first time home buyers do is they go on Zillow and they look at the estimated payment and they're like, oh, I can afford that payment. Um, you know, People don't realize that Zillow defaults to a 20% down payment, um, and that has a massive effect on your monthly payment. Because not only are you financing a lot less if you're putting that much down, but you're also getting rid of mortgage insurance and other expenses. And so it's, it's extremely important to talk to a loan officer because even the information you might be able to find online, you know, is not nearly going to be as accurate as, as what you can get. Um, you know, from getting pre-qualified. Kind of a follow-up question to what you brought up there for a second, Chance. Are these first-time homebuyer programs, these uh, down payment assistance programs, from your perspective, are, are they worth it um, for them to use? So I see it, the question come up a lot, especially on these online searches, and they just want to know kind of, do they work? Are they worth it? And kind of shed some light on that for us. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Brandon. Um, and ultimately, it's a, it's a question that I get asked all the time um, because, you know, really when I talk to a first-time home buyer, you know, especially when I was in the mortgage side of things and, and working as a loan officer, you know, one of the first questions they ask is about down payment assistance. I think one of the mistakes is thinking that it's the best program right off the bat because it covers your down payment. And, you know, first-time home buyers, if, if they're not able to find a down payment assistance program, you know, they essentially you know, just give up on buying a house. Um, and I, I don't think that's, you know, a, a good way to go about it. You know, it's important to, like I said before, recognize the significance and recognize the benefits that you're going to be getting from owning a home. You know, some people need that down payment assistance in order to be able to get themselves into a home. And if down payment assistance is your only option that you have available, do it, you know, go full blast, do the down payment assistance. There is nothing bad about a down payment assistance because ultimately it gets you into a home and you become a homeowner from it. And that's what's most important to remember about, you know, going through that process is if you don't have a way of coming up with a down payment, if you can't figure out any other option with your lender, if you can't take out money from a retirement account, a 401k, you know, get money gifted from a family member, if none of those are options, go with down payment assistance, get yourself a house. Don't discourage yourself from buying a house just because you don't have a down payment. If you don't have a down payment, we can figure it out. Brandon can figure it out. He can get you a good down payment assistance and we can get you into a home. But ultimately, um, you know, when it comes down to it, if you do qualify for multiple options, aside from down payment assistance, a lot of those other options are better for you financially. So 
ultimately when it comes down to it, down payment assistance, use it if you have to, if you have other options, you know, typically I see those other options putting borrowers into a, you know, better financial standing. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. And well, well answered. And to the viewers out there, you know, I'm a licensed mortgage broker, so I work with well over 200 lenders. So Chance, a lot of viewers are telling me that <laughs> we haven't heard this before, but a lot of viewers are saying that they've uh, always been told by friends, family, research online that they should, they should save up 20% for a down payment before they buy a home. What's your, what's your viewpoint on that? I'm against it, Brandon. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that, you know, do what you can to put 5% down. I'm a, I'm a 5% guy. 5% uh, is kind of that magic number. When I was working in mortgages and comparing, you know, what your cost out of pocket is up front to how much monthly payment savings you're going to get from putting that extra money down, ultimately to me, it makes the most sense to put 5% down, you know, 3% being the minimum with conventional uh, for first time home buyers. It's, it's a great option, but the mortgage insurance is going to be a little bit higher as we both know. Um, and it's going to decrease quite a bit going to 5%. So that extra 2% makes a big difference. But then when you go from five to 10, you're talking about a 5% jump. And when you compare that to the difference it makes in your monthly payment, oftentimes it does not make that much sense to put that much money, that much more money into the house when you could be keeping that in your savings account. You could be investing it in things that can help you to earn um, money, you know, on the stock market or elsewhere. Um, you could also be investing it in your home, doing upgrades, doing renovations that'll increase the value. There is valuable things that you can do with that extra money rather than putting 20% down to get rid of the mortgage insurance. Um, so, so I'm against it. Um, you know, it's, it's something that's absolutely controversial. Um, you know, people are either one way or the other, but that's, that's my opinion. I, I agree. I'm pretty much on the same side. You know, if you, if you have the 20% and you have reserves, I say, go for it. Right. You know, if you're trying to dump all, if you're saving up 20% just to dump it all in and then have no reserves or emergency fund on the side too. What a lot of folks don't realize is when you own a home, you're now responsible for these small items or repairs that come up that when you're renting, you're, you just pick up the phone and call your landlord, right? And correct, if you, you know, fit, initial 15% is a lot of money. So if it's, if you're able to reinvest it in something that's making you more money than the interest is on the mortgage, you should be doing that instead, right? Not to mention, I think the biggest factor is I don't know about you, but to save up an additional 15% for a 20% down payment, that could take some folks years to save up. And so what and that ends up doing everyone is if you're looking to buy a $300,000 home today and you're, it takes you five years to save 20%, that same home, you know, may be $350,000, $400,000 now. So what that means is you now have to put a bigger down payment. And the cost of waiting is you are now out the fifty or hundred thousand dollars that would have been yours if you would have just got in with the five percent. Mortgage insurance is really cheap nowadays, and that's what we've all been taught, or our, our folks have been taught, is save twenty percent, put it down, avoid PMI. You know, to each their own. Every case is different, but I'm I'm on your side there with that chance. So well said. Yeah, and and I agree with everything you said as well. I think it is important to you know keep in mind the you know, whether it is all of your savings that you're using to, to put that 20% down, or like you said, if you're in a position to where you can easily take that 20% and you don't even notice it's gone, 
and you've got plenty of reserves, plenty of additional savings, then why not? You know, lower your monthly expenses. It's less to worry about. It's less to stress about. Um, so that's a good point there, Brandon. And, and I, you know, very much agree with the time frame thing as well. Um, you know, missing out on buying a house year over year just because you're saving up for the down payment is, is not a reason to wait. A reason to wait is because you legitimately cannot qualify. But if you have the ability to buy a house, the answer is buy a house as soon as you can because values are going to go up over time. And the longer you wait, the, the more of that equity you're losing. Not only are you spending more on the house when you buy it, but you're losing that equity that you could have earned. Because like you said, if that $300,000 home goes up to $350,000 five years from now, if I bought that house today, I could sell it five years from now and that 50K is mine. But if I buy it in five years, I'm spending 50 additional thousand dollars. So it's a hundred thousand dollar difference when you think about it. Um, you know, you're either going positive or negative 50 grand. The answer is just buy a house as soon as you can. As a first time home buyer, I'm being told that now is not a very good time to buy. I should wait for a market crash or a market correction because of what's going on with the economy. Interest rates are high. Home values, home values are skyrocketing. What's kind of your take on that? Should I, should I wait for home prices to come back down, wait for interest rates to come back down, or how should I approach that? In terms of home prices, you know, we've already began to notice a, a decrease across the market, um, you know, especially in Maricopa County where I work in Phoenix, you know, they're not as high as they were a year ago. You know, there was a large increase and it went up, you know, a lot. And it hasn't gone down as far back to where it was, but it has kind of leveled out already. You know, homes are still going on the market and being sold quick, and they're still going into bidding wars sometimes. And, you know, sometimes you have to go over asking to get a home because there's still busy open houses. There's still busy new listings. It, it comes across, but home prices have, you know, leveled more out to where they were a year ago. So that is something you know, where, where we are in a bit better standing now than we were. In terms of interest rates, you know, interest rate is never a reason not to buy a house either. You know, you're not stuck with that interest rate for 30 years. You and I both know that. People don't realize that when they're buying their first home. They see the monthly payment and they see the interest rate and they think they're stuck with it. And they see the total cost of what they're going to be paying over the total 30-year loan. But it's not likely that you'll ever end up paying off that loan. Um, it's very, very, very not likely. Um, you know, you're most likely going to refinance whenever rates do go back down, which they fluctuate up and down. And, you know, it's typically no more than a year or two before they go in either direction. Um, and so you can typically expect, you know, just like the stock market, you know, there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And, you know, essentially you're, you're looking at mortgages and there's going to be good years and there's going to be bad years. Um, and we've not been in a great year right now, but, you know, waiting to buy a house, um, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're going to get a better deal um, because you would be missing out on equity waiting for the interest rates to go down. And, and equity is the most important thing because ultimately if you buy that house now and six months from now, you know, interest rates go down then you just refinance and lower your payment then. Or there's, you know, options through your lender, um, Brandon, that you can do a 2-1 buy-down or, you know, any other type of rate buy-down to potentially ease yourself into a payment or lower your rate for the time being while rates are high, but then refinance before, you know, it, it goes back up. Um, and ultimately, I know not everyone knows probably who's listening that what a 2-1 buy-down is. And so, 
you know, if that's something you're curious about, um, you know, definitely reach out to Brandon and he'll be happy to um, explain that in more detail to you. And I'm happy to as well, of course, but Brandon is definitely the guy to, you know, give you all the details specifically regarding your loan. Um, if he's working on an approval for you to let you know if that might be a, bet, a good option for you. But ultimately, no, I don't think rates you know, are, are to a point where you should wait to buy a house. Well said, well said. Kind of piggyback on that guys is you shouldn't, don't fall in love with the rate. You should always fall in love with the payment. If you're comfortable with the payment, then it's just going to be a win-win if, when, if, and when rates pull back, you simply do a refinance kind of like chance said, and now you're winning again, you're already in the home, you're building the equity and you're going to be able to reduce your payment even further. So you're able to save more monthly and then start reinvesting it wherever. Um, Brandon, while we're on that topic, I kind of want to take a second just to kind of explain what a refinance is to our to our listeners. Um, you know, I've I've talked with a lot of first time home buyers, and I feel like when I have that conversation with them about you know buying the house now and refinancing later, um, you know, I feel like it's not often understood why they're wanting to do it or what exactly you know refinancing is doing for you to just kind of give an example if if you you know buy your first home and your loan is for three hundred thousand and you've got a seven percent interest rate for 30 years um you know with that loan essentially if you never refinance if you never sell the house you are stuck paying whatever your payment is it's going to be the exact same for 30 years based on financing $300,000 at a 7% interest rate. Over time, you're going to make payments on your house. And as you're making payments on your house, you're going to begin paying off your loan. And the, the, the amount that you owe on the loan is going to decrease. So let's say a few years down the road, you no longer owe $300,000. You know, now you owe 280 or 275. If you refinance and get a new loan at that point, your new loan is for only $275,000. So it's less than 300,000 you originally financed. So because you're financing less, that alone is most likely going to lower your payment. But then on top of that, if interest rates are lower, it can make a significant difference. You're also extending your term. If you're five years into that loan and you're still paying that same exact payment, you can start financing a lower amount, reset your term to where you have 30 years again and get a lower interest rate, you can decrease your payment by hundreds of dollars by doing this. Um, and it can make a significant difference because I think, you know, a lot of times what deters people from, you know, wanting to buy a house when prices are a little bit higher than they are right now is because, you know, people think buying a house is, is supposed to be, you know, the better financial option than renting. But it's hard to see that it's a better financial option than renting if it costs you more on a monthly basis. And first-time homebuyers will see, oh, well, if I can pay $1,800 a month for rent, why would I want to go pay $2,000 a month to buy a house? And it's because each time you sign a new lease renting, your rent is going to go up. And every single year, you're going to be paying more and more and more. Whereas it's the opposite with a mortgage. As you pay that loan down and as you look at opportunities to refinance, your mortgage payment is going to get lower and lower and lower. And you're just going to decrease your expenses until eventually they're nothing if you ever get your house paid off. And so, you know, ultimately, I just wanted to explain that because there are several benefits to refinancing. And I don't think people often enough take advantage of them. Um, and so, 
it's it's something that I definitely wanted to explain and just kind of get the word out there. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for adding, adding to that because a lot of folks will appreciate hearing all that. We're going to wrap it up with this one, Chance. As a first-time homebuyer, what, what tips would you give me or give a, a potential first-time homebuyer on picking a good lender or a real estate agent in their area? Picking a good lender and real estate agent really comes down to working with someone that you trust has your best interest at hand and, you know, cares about your goals and helping you fulfill them. You know, there are so many loan officers that, you know, you and I have worked with Brandon and, you know, we've been in a call center environment where, you know, it's very heavily micromanaged and the environment in some of those lending companies and with some of those mortgage companies is, you know, just churn and burn. They're trying to get as many deals done as possible. And, you know, when they get on the phone with you, they're already thinking about the next phone call. They're not paying attention. Um, to your situation and helping to help, helping to help you, um, you know, do what's best for you financially and always keeping your best interests in mind. Um, you know, I feel like at a lot of places, um, you know, it's, it's just all about the money and, you know, what it comes down to is really finding that, that person that cares for you and cares about your situation and cares to help you, you know, reach your goal of getting into a home. And and that's something that's extremely important to me. And that's, you know, part of the reason I transitioned um, back to being a real estate agent versus a loan officer is because being able to, you know, be face to face with my clients and go show homes um, makes me feel like I'm able to establish that personal connection and, um, you know, really be able to genuinely um, develop a relationship with them. And um, it definitely takes some skill to be able to do that completely over the phone. Um, Brandon, you're a killer at it. Um, <laughs> but for me, I'm just I'm just much better at that face to face. And really what it comes down to is it doesn't matter whether they're in person or over the phone. It, it just matters whether you feel like you have a good relationship with that person and you trust them and you trust that they, that they have your best interests at hand. You know, choosing the right person to do that you want to choose someone that you're going to be happy working with and somebody that you can trust and somebody that's going to be hardworking. You know, there can be stressful situations that come up working in real estate and, and going through a real estate transaction. And um, it's even more stressful if you're dealing with someone who doesn't pick up their phone. And there's a lot of the lot of people in this industry that, you know, are not great at doing that. And so it's it's extremely important that you have someone that's reliable, someone that is available, um, someone that can answer your questions, someone that's knowledgeable, someone that um, can recommend to you, um, you know, different options rather than just one option. That way you can decide for yourself what, you know, might be the best fit for you. I think that's all extremely important. Um, and I think, you know, in order to find that person, you, you got to find someone that really does truly care about their clients and, um, you know, giving them the best experience possible. Awesome, man. Great, great to hear your viewpoint on that chance. I want to add my two cents to that too, guys, is to all the listeners out there, you know, nowadays you can simply log into Google and do a quick Google search, right? Way Google works with the SEO, which is search engine optimization. It's whoever is really paying the most is getting to the top of the list, right? Doesn't necessarily mean that the best is on the top, but what you can do is you can, you can go through these, these searches, you can look up folks reviews. And what I would personally do if I was in your situation is when you do find someone, ask them for references, ask them for past clients, ask them for folks that you could reach out to, or they could at least push you in the right direction to see what kind of reviews, how they, how they were serviced, because you want to make sure you're doing your due diligence. And you want to make sure you have a phenomenal experience as well. Okay. Which is one of the big reasons I kind of became a broker is I'm in full control of my process from beginning to end. And I'm able to 
physically go out there and find you the best best deal possible based off of your needs and what you're looking for. And that's where I feel like I'm truly serving the customer as well. Okay. And same thing goes for agents. You know, you, you want to make sure you have someone that's going to answer their phone, who's going to answer your questions, especially being a first time home buyer, because a lot of those are going to come up and I want to, I'm very well known for having a lot of patience with that and being extremely educational to help walk you through the process so that, you know, you really enjoy it and go, that was it. Once, once you're getting the keys to your new home. So um, excellent answer, Chance. I just wanted to wrap up with that. So thank you. All right. Thanks again for having me on, Brandon. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed, you know, doing this podcast with you. And, you know, hopefully we'll have the opportunity to do this again in the future. Um, you know, if we get a lot of likes and comments and, you know, a lot of questions that, that people might have for us, you know, we'll have to get back on here and, you know, do a Q&A and maybe answer some of those questions um, that people throw at us. But I just wanted to, you know, take a moment to, um, you know, give everybody a way to contact me as well. Um, for anybody listening, as I mentioned before, I'm Chance the Realtor. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook specifically as Chance the Realtor AZ. Um, and you can feel free to message or DM me on there. And, you know, I'd love to get in contact with you. I'd love to answer any questions you might have. And I'd love to ultimately hear about your real estate goals and, and help you to achieve them. Chance is a great guy, guys. If you're looking for a home in the AZ, hit him up. So, hey, guys, uh, if you want more content like this, just hit that subscribe button and like and follow for more and uh, have a blessed day.